What's up, New Hope? I want to welcome all of our campuses, the online community, all of you that are here at the Durham campus. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. I get the privilege of serving at our Garner campus. Special shout out to my peeps in Garner, North Carolina. Glad you guys are checking in. We miss you. Can't wait to be back with you guys next Sunday. Y'all pray for me. I'm trying to get Durham to serve sweet tea. All right? It's a hard sell, but y'all pray for me. I'm working on it. Hey, it's good to be here. Today is the grand finale. It is the main event, if you will, of our check-in series. And I also have the opportunity to represent Team Yellow. Where's all my yellow folks? Let me hear you at the campuses. Let me hear you. This has been fun. I got to tell y'all something. Y'all have made the Facebook and social media experience so much more fun over the last month than it has been. Seeing your posts, seeing the competitiveness, I want you to know, Team Red, Team Green, Team Blue, whether you like it or you don't like it, you better learn to love it. Because Team Yellow is the best thing around. Woo! We're in North Carolina. It's Ric Flair country. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And Team Yellow is going for the championship. We are going for the gold. So here's the deal. Today is the last day. Your posts still count today. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. So make sure you check in on Facebook, check in on social media, hashtag your team color, and make sure that you finish strong, but yellow team, listen to me. Champions don't quit till they hear the bell. I ain't heard no bell. So y'all keep the pedal to the metal. You keep the gas or the, floor, the foot on the floor of the gas, and let's go get this. Let's keep this championship home with team yellow. What do you say? That's what I thought. We're going, to lay, we're going to lay that bad boy right here. Hey, y'all want to know what the standings are, by the way? I thought you might. Check it out. Our standings are up, and, and here's how it's looking for us right now. We've got New Hope Red. Not bad. New Hope Green. Look at New Hope Blue coming back. <laughs> Team Yellow's looking strong. Champions don't quit. Don't stop posting. This series has been a lot of fun. Hopefully, you have been enjoying it. And, and as we wrap this thing up today, I think it's really been a timely series for a lot of our people. If you remember, when we checked in week one with Pastor Chris, he talked about what? He talked about rest, right? And there was some tension there because of our busy schedules and, and the culture that we live in. But then in week two, we checked in with Pastor Joe, and he challenged us to do what? To, to reflect, right? To be honest with ourselves. And that brought even more tension into the conversation. And then last week, Pastor Trent just straight up took the gloves off. And he talked about relationships against the backdrop for our unhealthy need for approval. And so I would imagine about this time, some of you are probably hoping that one of our campus pastors can preach a message without stepping on your toes. I get it. Like, like really, I get it. But it's probably not going to be the case today. See, while, I, while what I have to say is probably going to add even more tension to the conversation, if you will stick with me, I think I can help resolve some of that. 
But let me ask you a question. We'll start out with this. How many of you, or at our campuses, how many of you have ever wished you could have a do-over? <laughs> yeah, you, you ever wish you could just wipe the slate clean and, and get a fresh start? Maybe you said something or, or you did something and you wished you could take it back. You texted or, or, or you posted something out of, out of emotion on social media. And then when your emotions kind of died down, you were like, man, I, I really wish I could take that back. I think it's safe to say that all of us have probably felt that way. I know that I have many, many, many times. In fact, I remember the first time that that wish actually became true for me. The year was 1985. Have I got any children of the 80s at our campuses or in the house? Let me hear you. <laughs> Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. All right? 1985. Ric Flair was the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> Michael J. Fox was trying to get back to the future. And the, the 1985 Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears were Super Bowl shuffling. All the cool kids were carrying boom boxes on their shoulders. Whitney Houston, Bon Jovi, Michael Jackson, they were all topping the charts. And look, I, I realize that everybody's got their favorite music era, but I think even artists today like DJ Khalid would agree there was just something special about the 80s. Like, it was probably the greatest music era of our time. And you could disagree with me, but as my good friend Benji Kelly says, you would be wrong. <laughs> it was the best. And dude, it, like, if you were a Christian in the 1980s, any Petra fans in the house? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. If you were a Christian in the 80s, man, it was on like Donkey Kong. It was awesome. It was night. 1985, and a product came out that changed everything we know about video games. <laughs> the Nintendo, like the original Nintendo, the NES system. Y'all, this box was a game changer. Like every kid wanted one. I, I think this box was personally responsible for the Black Friday madness that had people getting arrested, moms and dads fighting each other to get the last one of these in the store. All right? Everybody wanted one. This, this box was responsible for hours, and I mean hours of wasted time and unfinished chores. <laughs> like I'm talking about Super Mario Brothers. I'm talking about the Legend of Zelda. I'm talking about Mike Tyson's punch out. Come on. I'm talking about Mega Man, Duck Hunt, and then my personal favorite, Super Contra. Up, up, down, down. Left, right, left, right. B-A. Yes. <laughs> Nintendo was the best. But you, do you know what my favorite feature of this, this system was? It was this button right here. It was the reset button. Like, if you were losing your game or you weren't doing as well as you wanted to, you, you could just hit the reset button. Or like if you, were, if you were losing to your brother, you know what I'm saying? You could just kind of stand up and kind of fake a yawn. And, oh, did I hit the reset button? My bad. That button is the greatest invention of all time. I'm convinced of it.
It's a built-in do-over mechanism that allows the user to start over. And let's face it, does the desire to reset ever really go away? Heck no. People do this all the time. They do it in their relationships. We do it in work. We do it in, in school. We do it in health. Y'all, we even do this in our faith. And as we wrap up this check-in series today, I want to talk to you about how we hit the reset button so that next time won't be like the last time. How do we hit the reset button so that next time won't be like the last time? But I think the first thing we need to do is we need to agree on some constants. So can, can we agree today that we tend to repeat things from our past in our future? W would we all agree with that? And would we also agree that we have things in our past that we don't want to repeat in our future? Can we agree on that? So if we tend to repeat things from our past in our future, and there's things that we don't want to repeat from our past into our future, how do we hit the reset button so that next time won't be like the last time? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is address a few myths that we think are true but, but really aren't. The first one is called the experience myth. And this simply says that experience makes me wiser. Now, we think that if we experience something, that we'll have the wisdom to not repeat whatever happened in the future. And that may be true in board games, that may be true in texting, but it's not really true in the greater areas of life. In the greater areas of life, it's not experience that makes you wiser, it's evaluated experience that makes you wiser. It's what you're actually able to tangibly learn from what you just went through and course correct in order to do better. It's the experience myth. The second one is the know better myth. And this one simply states, just because I know better, I'll do better. Well, that's not true. <laughs> just because I know better doesn't mean that I have the discipline to do better. So that's what it's like for Pastor Benji on Sundays. <laughs> well, she said, that's it right there. Just because I know better doesn't mean I have the strength or the courage to do better. It's the know better myth. And then lastly, we have the time myth. Now, out of all three, this might be the most destructive because this is where we look at the first two. And the first two are kind of passive myths, all right? We think things are happening that are really not happening. We think because we're experiencing something that we're getting better. Or we think because we know better, we'll do better. And that's not really the case. This is the one where we actively put ourselves in destructive situations because of a perceived deadline that doesn't really exist. We say things like, man, I got to hurry because I'm not, I'm not getting any younger, or, or, or we say things like, you know, all of my friends are, and you can fill in the blank. Or we say, you know, everyone I graduated with is now, and you can fill in the blank. And as a result, you and I make poor decisions because we feel rushed. This myth says that we see time as the enemy, but I want to submit to you today, time is not your enemy. Time is your friend. Time is your friend. And rather than just jumping into your reset, it's wise to hit the pause button and allow time to bring down some of the emotions that you're still feeling from that last bad experience. See, when we move too quickly, our emotions are still heightened and our vision becomes clouded rather than clear. But oftentimes, time will bring clarity along with it. So it's this last myth that I want to talk about with you today. 
It's a key for us to be able to hit the reset button so that next time won't be like the last time. Now, in order to do that, we have to rethink things. And here's, here's what I mean by that. When you think back to the thing that you're having to reset, all right, whether it's emotionally, whether it's relationally, professionally, whether it's academically or financially, whatever the case may be, inevitably, even when it's not our fault, you and I ask ourselves this question. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? She's, she, everybody said she's not the one. She's not right for me. What was I thinking? Mama said she's not the one. There's a list of 12 reasons why she's not the one. And I said, yeah, but I love her. And, and, and she said, but, but what about her? What is it that you love? And I couldn't name anything. What was I thinking? Y'all, 0% down, no payments for like 36 months. What was I thinking? Or 30% return, guaranteed. It sounded too good to be true. It wasn't true. What was I thinking? I remember, I remember when I was in college, I had one of these moments. It was a few weeks before my 21st birthday, and I decided I was gonna go surfing for the first time. And, and what was cool was the, the school where I matriculated from, Southeastern University, was in Lakeland, Florida, not too far from my one particular harbor, Cocoa Beach, Florida. And I had a buddy in college whose parents had a beach house just south of Cocoa Beach in a place called Melbourne. And so we, we had the idea one day, me and, and five of my friends, that we were going to ditch class on Friday and we were going to head out to Cocoa Beach and we were going to go surfing for the day. And, and, you know, this idea kind of appealed to us. But what really appealed to us was there was a little itty-bitty, tiny storm called Hurricane Fran <laughs> that was about to hit the coast. And we knew, we knew the waves were going to be epic. Now remember, I'd never been surfing before, <laughs> all right? <clears throat> all of my buddies were experienced surfers. And so we were going to go out there and we were going to surf in the middle of a hurricane, because, you know, when you're in college, you're invincible. You could do anything, right? And so we got there, and <clears throat> the, the storm was hitting, and uh, we were waxing our surfboards. We were putting the leashes on our ankles. We were getting ready to go out. My buddies were giving me tips. They're like, hey, you get on the board, man, paddle out. You got to get past the break, all right, so you can catch the waves. And then when the waves come in before the break, make sure you duck dive under the waves. So they're going through everything with me. And I'm like, man, I got this. And I start paddling. Y'all, for like an hour, <laughs> I kid you not, I am paddling, and I am getting tired, and I can't get past the break. I'm feeling a little ridiculous at this point. So since I'm already feeling ridiculous, I, I, I might as well go all the way. And so I let my board come out from underneath me. Remember, I got a leash on my ankle. I let the board come out from underneath me, and instead of paddling with the board, y'all, I straight up was freestyle swimming. Board dragging behind me. That's not cool if you're a surfer. All right, I didn't care. I wanted to get past the break. So I finally got out past the break, and it, it was like a washing machine. There was just nothing. I mean, inexperienced, couldn't do anything. After about another hour, I was like, I'm going in. And so I start, I start to come in. As I'm coming in, about five yards uh, to the left of me is my friend Chris. We nicknamed him Gooch. And, and my friend Gooch was over there, and the wave came crashing in, and next thing I knew, I ended up with my board on top of him while he was on his board. And he's looking up at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, man, I'm just riding you in. And we went head over foot 
all the way into the, uh, the coast, into the sand, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? See, it's a great question that I think we intuitively, we laugh off. What was I thinking? But I'm telling you, and I can't overemphasize this enough, stopping to come up with a real answer to that question is the key to ensuring that next time won't be like the last time. And here's why. Because if you think the way that you used to think, guess what? You're going to do the things you used to do. It's that simple. If you keep thinking the way you thought last time around, then history is probably going to repeat itself, maybe even in the areas where you say very little of the blame belongs to me. So so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today that highlights the importance of this. And and if you're here, if you're at our campuses, if you're watching online, you're not a Bible person, you're you're not a Christian, um, you need to know this is probably going to sound a lot like common sense for you, all right? But the cool thing is it was written 2,000 years ago. It's written by a guy named Paul, and, and it's in the New Testament. It's that book that's on your shelf, that thing on your grandmother's coffee table, all right? It's the book of Romans, and, and it's a letter, really, but we call it a book. And the guy that wrote it, his name's Paul, and he wrote to Christians who were living in Rome. And you need to understand, it was not really, it was not really good to be a Christian in Rome during this time. There's a lot of bad stuff that was happening, and the Christians were living under the Roman, the shadow of the Roman Empire. And Paul was somebody who understood the importance of hitting the reset button. Paul was somebody who had to start over in his life. He lived with a lot of shame and guilt for the things that he had done before he became a Christian and the things that he had done to the Christian community. He was responsible for putting a lot of innocent people in jail. Paul was responsible for the deaths of Christians who had done nothing except put their faith in Jesus Christ, just like he eventually did. So Paul understood the, inten- the, the tension here. He understood what it was like to hit the reset button. And that's incredibly important for us because he was the product of the very thing that we're going to talk about today. Romans chapter 12. If you got your Bible, your phone, your tablet, however you access God's word, go to Romans chapter 12. It's going to be on the screens for us as well. But here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and that means if you're not a Christian, this wasn't written to you. So you've got the option. You can either decide to do this or you you cannot do this. But if you're a Christian, we're, we're kind of on the hook on here. So he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's, that's all that God has done, to offer your bodies, not just your mind, not just your intentions, not just an hour on Sunday. He said, offer all of your body, your entire body, as a living sacrifice, not a dead one. Everyone in this culture had seen dead sacrifices. They slit the animal's throat. There was blood everywhere. They watched it die. Paul said, no, 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 we're not not talking about that. We're not doing that. We're not going there. He said, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, that, that pagan ritual, slitting the animal's throat, he said, we're done with that. We want you to think of yourselves as a living sacrifice. In other words, we want you to put yourself, all of you, on the altar and say to God, all of me is available to all of you. Now, if you think about it, that's a big thing to ask. 
And, and, and Paul's thinking, you know, I might need to make this practical. I might need to tell them exactly what I mean by that. So here's what he says, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern. And there's one Greek word that could be interpreted, interpreted there. Do not conform to the pattern or do not be conformed. In other words, don't allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern of this world. He said, look, if you conform to the pattern of this world, you're going to look like everybody else. You're going to act like everybody else. You're going you're to be in debt like everybody else. You're, you're going to be like everybody else. You're just going to kind of follow the flow of culture. So he says to Christians, look, don't allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern of this world. In other words, he's saying, don't be like this guy, all right? Next, 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 cookie cutter. He said, don't, don't be like this guy. Don't allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern, the cookie cutter pattern of this world. And then he says, and he gives us a little bit of contrast, he says, be transformed. He says, I want you to be different. I want you to be transformed. I want you to lean in. I want you to decide. I want you to give it some effort. I want you to make a decision to be transformed. He said, don't be conformed, but be transformed. In other words, he's saying, look, don't be like this guy. I want you to be <laughs> like this guy. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. Don't be cookie cutter, dude. Be Optimus Prime. <laughs> be transformed. And, and he's saying, hey, do you want me to tell you how? And we're like, yes, tell us how. He says, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. He said, oh yeah, I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. But in order for your body to do the things that living sacrifices need to do, you got to make some changes right here. He said, you got to pay attention to what you're thinking. And when you look back and you ask, what was I thinking? You need to pause. You need to answer that question because you're transformed not simply by the engagement of your will. He said, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And renewing basically means to restore, right? And so if you've ever like restored a classic car, old piece of furniture... You know what you have to do in order to restore it, right? You gotta peel off the old first. You've gotta get all the way down to the base layer of the metal or the wood or whatever compound you're working on and you've gotta get all the way down. You gotta peel off the old before you can put on the new and that's a process. And it's usually not fun. It's a process. Let me ask you a question. What happens when you put the new on before you take the old off? New peels right off, right? Yeah, the new peels right off. And that's why some of us at some point have said, you know, in my next relationship or my next job or my next semester at school, man, I, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to study harder. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and the new just kind of peels right off because we never answered the question, what was I thinking? We just knew that we weren't thinking correctly. And so we just kind of moved right ahead into our own future. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons that we don't spend time with this, and that's really the answer, is because renewal takes time. Y'all, renewal takes time. That's why I said earlier, time is your friend. 
Renewal, renewing your mind takes time. Time is our friend. And if you're simply trying to slap on the new before you ever deal with the old, if you're just trying to go into that new commitment, that new relationship, that new schedule, that new resolve, that new this, that new that, I mean, how many diet plans have you abandoned after three weeks? Like, and it wasn't a question of your commitment. It's because you hadn't taken off the old habits before you tried to slap a new one on, right? And Paul is saying, look, you, you, you want to be this guy? you got to be transformed. You, you've got to take time, and it's not simply a matter of will. It's not simply a matter of discipline. Those things are important. They're part of the process, but you got to renew your mind. You've got to hit reset. Time is your friend. Listen, at New Hope Church, this is one of the main reasons we don't put brand new Christians into leadership positions. Now, now look, we, we love it when somebody becomes a Christian. That's awesome. They're all about it. We're all about it. We love life change. It's incredible. And, and they're, they're like, hey, I'm dedicated. I'm ready. I'm committed. Put me in, coach. Put me in, pastor. And we're like, whoa, slow down, cheetah. <laughs> like, it's awesome. We're glad what God is doing. But you got to renew your mind. Well, I'm committed. Yeah, I know you're committed. I'm not doubting your commitment. But I'm sincere. I know you're sincere. I'm not doubting your sincerity. But here's what we know. Commitment isn't enough, is it? Sincerity by itself, it's not enough. You got to peel off the old before you can put on the new. You got to renew your mind, and that takes time. You got to hit the reset button. And then Paul drives it home. He says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then look at this promise. He says, Then you will be able to. There it is. He said, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Let me ask you another question. How many of us in here at the campuses, how many of us want to know what God's will is for our life? Yeah. yeah. Like, like we were like, yeah, I've been praying for that. And Paul says, I know. You got to take time to renew your mind. And we're like, no, no, no. I thought if I just prayed long enough, like I'd hear a voice. Do you want to know something? Like if you heard a voice, you'd probably freak out. Especially if it's at night, it's dark. <laughs> Go back and read your Bible. Mo- most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time that you heard God speak loudly, usually bad stuff followed. All right? It's not an audible voice that you want to hear. Here's the thing. Paul's saying, look, if you want to know what God's will is, If you want to be able to test, if you want to be able to approve, which really means do you want to be able to discern? He said if you want to be able to sort through, you want to be able to weed out and wade through the options and you want to arrive at the right conclusion. He said you got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is why we say come to church. Like every Sunday, come to church. This is why you need to write, read your Bible. And you might say, well, I don't understand it. That's okay. Read it anyway. You might say, well, I don't believe it. It's okay. You read lots of stuff that you don't believe. Read it anyway. This is why we encourage you, get into a life group. 
All right? We want you to be in circles. We think circles are just better than rows, and we don't want you to take a season of your life to get disconnected from the body of Christ because it's in listening to other people's stories, and it's doing life with other people that you begin the process of renewing your mind. You begin to think differently. You begin to bump up against those false assumptions, those things that you've just assumed your whole life that have led you to places that you say you don't want to go again. Because here's the deal. Regret and resolve, they're not enough either. Sincerity, commitment, will, regret, resolve, it's not enough You've got to renew your mind because if you think the way that you used to think, you're going to simply do what you've always done. You've got to hit the reset button. So, so where does this land in light of all of the things that we've been talking about over the last month? Well, let's, let's check in. How are you doing with rest? Like, are you struggling with some of the things that Pastor Chris talked about in week one. I think even Pastor Chris would say that he's probably struggling with some of the things that he said in week one. And I'm not talking about the rest part. I'm talking about the, my theme song is all I do is win part. (laughs) It's okay, man. You'll get another shot at the title someday. How are we doing with rest? Are we taking time to pause and not and allow our bodies and our spirits the margin that they need to rest and be able to see clearly? We got to renew our mind when it comes to rest, and that takes time. What about reflection? How y'all doing with that whole being honest with yourself thing? How you doing with reflection? The things that Pastor Joe talked about Do you need to hit the reset button? See, if we don't take time to pause and reflect, all we're going to do is stumble ahead like always. We got to renew our mind. We got to peel off the old in order to be honest with ourselves. Takes time. Hey, approval addicts, thought I forgot about you, didn't you? How are you doing with approval? What about your relationships? Are your hearts motivated by the things of God or are they motivated by the approval of others? See, if you're struggling with this, chances are you're ruining your relationships. You're you're causing damage to your relationships like Pastor Trent talked about last week. You gotta hit the reset button. You gotta renew your mind and that takes time. You gotta learn about the promises of God And you've got to learn about his approval before you jump into the next relationship. Because, folks, the bottom line is this. If you don't want next time to be like the last time, you got to renew your mind. And here's the last thing I'm going to say, and I'm done. All of the things that we've talked about throughout this series, rest, reflection, relationships, reset, all of those things have the power to change aspects of our lives. But nothing, and I mean nothing, has the power to change all of your life, like checking in with Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that ever, 
or maybe you haven't done it in a long time, why not check in with him today? Why not allow him to be the one who updates your status by giving him the authority to be the primary user, not just an authorized user, but the primary user in your life? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we consider the things that you've shared with us over the last several weeks, God, the reality is we could make changes and adjustments in every area of our life. We can, we can spend more time resting. We can spend more time reflecting. We can, we can do work on our relationships. We can hit the reset button. But God, if we haven't hit the reset button with you, if we haven't checked in with you, God, it's all fleeting. And so, Father, I... I understand that today there's probably people at all of our campuses who've walked through these doors, and that's exactly where they're at. They need to hit the reset button with you. They need to check in with you. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you want to check in with him today, I want to pray with you. Our pastors want to be able to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you up front. We're not going to ask you uh, to stand up. All we want to do is, is know who you are so that we can pray with you. So if that's you, you want to check in with Christ, you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, all across the building, would you just extend your hand up? Just extend your hand up so that I know who I'm praying for. I see that hand. I believe, I believe hands are going up at our campuses right now. I see that hand. God sees that hand. Hands starting to shoot up all over the place. As I begin to pray, I'm just going to ask if you're here, you need to hit the reset button. You need to check in. I'm just going to ask that you pray along with me. Heavenly Father, we're acknowledging today that we don't have it all figured out. God, we're acknowledging today that we need to be able to check in with you. And the truth is, we have to acknowledge that in and of ourselves, we're sinners. God, we're, we're far from perfect. We make mistakes and we make bad decisions. But Father, you are perfect. Your son Jesus is perfect. He hit the ultimate reset button when he came to earth and he died on a cross for all of our sins. And so Father, we acknowledge that we're a sinner today and we ask, we ask that you would forgive us through the shed blood of your son Jesus. Make us new. Allow us to hit the reset button today. And God, we want you to begin to update the status of our life. We want to know that the relationship that we have with you trumps all others. And God allows us to have our minds renewed as we take time to get to know you. It's in your name that we pray and that we ask all these things. It's in the name of your son Jesus, the name that is above all names that the church said, amen. Amen. Church, would you join me in celebrating all those that have crossed over? From death to life today, that's what it's all about. That's the ultimate reset button in our lives. And I'm going to ask our ushers if they'll go ahead and get ready. We're, we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and our offerings. And as we do, if you're here and you, you raised your hand and you, you acknowledge that you wanted to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to know we're not just excited for you. We want to partner with you. We want to we go on this journey with you. And so in the chair pocket in front of you, there's a connect card. There's a place there where you can mark that you received Christ or that you rededicated your life to Christ today. Would you mark that? And when the offering basket comes by in just a moment after I pray, would you go ahead and drop that in there for us? 
and then you can stop by the Nehemiah prayer room. You can talk to any of our pastors here today. We'd love to engage you in those conversations. But congratulations on hitting the reset button. We're going to receive our offering. We recognize that, that Christ gave so much, so we have an opportunity to give back to him. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness in the area of giving. There are stories being written today like the one that Pastor George talked about earlier in our worship celebration because of your giving. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for life change. God, thank you for the power and the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that as we receive our tithes, as we receive our offerings, our hope rising pledges, God, you would continue to use them to advance your kingdom. And God, that you would receive all of the glory in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. Amen.